We appreciate Jordan so much. He does a fine job reading scripture every time. In fact, while we were sitting there, he said, you know, I've got to follow along with my finger. He said, or I read the same line twice. I understand completely, but he does an excellent job every time. And we are thankful for him and his servant mentality, the desire to serve. As we begin this morning, I will tell you that uh, Mike is at his last gospel meeting that is scheduled. He had quite a few that came back to back here recently, but he's looking forward to being back uh, for the rest of this year, as far as we know. So uh, continue to pray for them on their travels. Uh, pray for Nancy as her, as her leg recovers, as she heals. But uh, we are so glad that we still have the opportunity to come together as the body of Christ and to learn from His Word. And I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to be with you today. As I look out, we see some uh, visitors that are here with us and we appreciate you. We're glad to see each one here and our prayer is that in the time that we spend together that uh, all glory can go to God, that we can study from the New Testament, that we can study from God's Word... And ultimately, we can become better Christians for the future than we've been in the past. As we come together today, I set aside to look at Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, we have this, this servant mentality that really goes against, let's say, uh, American thinking... Uh, once upon a time, I believe you could go back and there was a goal of how, how, uh, how all work together and ultimately that makes America a great place. You know, we had a president that once said, ask not what you can do, sorry, ask not what the country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. In a little more important detail and a little, uh, little closer to home question, I, would believe, I believe would be, ask not what the church can do for you. Ask what you can do for the church. What's life about? Why are we here? What's our purpose? What's the reason why everything goes on? Well... You know, I got up on Sunday because I knew if I went to church, the church could help me dot, dot, dot. Now, I can tell you from a personal experience that I believe every time I come to services, I am blessed, I am uplifted, I am encouraged. But it's not about me. Ask not... What the church can do for you, ask what you can do for the church. Why are we here? Ultimately, because Jesus Christ is the creator, the builder of the church. So the question comes, how can I be an aid to him? Within God's design, it hasn't been that long ago, we looked at different parts of the worship. Within the worship, why do we do it? Because it's God's design. We're doing for Him. And ultimately, we're blessed through it. You know, as you talk about a servant mentality, we've got, we've got to keep this mindset. Well, how can I better help the church? You know, I've heard a lot of times where people say, you know, I wish the church did 
this. If I could encourage you with a, uh, with a, a servant mentality found in Scripture, I believe if you've got one of those grand ideas and you recognize that the church at Olive Branch is missing out because of dot, 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 step up and decide or figure out how you can fill the gap. You know, it hasn't been that long ago... Uh, there was a widowers and a widow, a widows and widowers workshop, and I believe Tyler and Ronnie and a few others got together, and there was a design where there was a goal. We want to start something for that group. We want to we want to we want to do something to encourage them. I know they're working on setting up meetings in the very near future, where the different ones that have very like-minded problems, they would probably have very similar sorrows. They would have similar thought processes. They'll have the opportunity to get together. That's one spot where we see a person or an individual or a group of individuals saw a need. They said, what can I do for the church? If you recognize any type of need, I encourage you. Think about ways in which you can make it better. A long time ago, or approximately a year ago, I believe we started the Monday night for the master's program. It wasn't ever set up to be, this is exactly how it works. If you think of something that could be done for the betterment of the church, we want you. We want your idea. We want to work to go forward. I think of a, a member of the church here... Eric Wright has decided that he wants to run for school board. Why? Because he believes that there needs to be more church-led things in the, in the world. He's taking it upon himself to run for it. And I look forward to thinking that we have a voice in society, in politics or in anything else. The reality is what can be done for the church if you say what can be done for the school system, what can be done for our nation, ultimately it comes back to Christians. How can we best help the world to be a more God-fearing place? As you look back at Philippians chapter 2 that Jordan just read, as we begin with this servant mentality, notice Jesus had a mind to serve. If you go back to Philippians chapter 2, you can start there in verse 5, which he just read. And we see, let this mind be in you. Well, what do you mean? Which was also in Christ Jesus, be like Christ. There used to be a, what would Jesus do? Here, here we go. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, verse 6, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, listen, of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. We say, well, what's the church going to do for me? Now let's put it in Jesus' shoes. Being in the glories of heaven... Having everything perfect as could be. You say, well, there ain't nothing those people can do for me. If Jesus had been an American, I doubt he'd have given his life. 
He said, there's nothing those people can do for me. And when I say that, I just mean 21st century. Uh, as a whole, we have a very selfish attitude. Whereas you look at Christ in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7, it's a selfless attitude. There is absolutely nothing that the world had to offer Jesus. And yet if you look in verse 7, it says, coming in the likeness of man. What did he leave? The spiritual realm where everything was perfect. It says he became a, a bond servant. He left up every, left, gave up everything that was perfect, that was holy, just, righteous, the glories of heaven, and he came to earth for us. Within this, you see a true servant. He wasn't thinking, well, how's this going to help me? He said, how can I, listen, help them? When we think about being the church of the day, think about how you can help others. How think, think about how you can better others. As you think about Christ, he wasn't looking for selfish gain. Go back and look at verse 3. Same, same chapter, Philippians chapter 2. It says, let nothing be done, listen, through selfish ambition or conceit. He said, but, let in, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. There's a pedestal there. There's a pedestal. Put, put somebody up on the pedestal, but who wasn't it? Wasn't me. He said, it's not about me. But rather than being selfish, he said, you put others up ahead of yourself. And then he says, look here, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ, who chose to care about everybody else when it really cost him his life. As the ultimate servant, we get down to verse 8 and we see that Christ gave his life. You see in verse 8 it says, in being found in appearance as man, it says he humbled himself says, and he became obedient to the point of death, even the worst kind, even the death of the cross. He took the worst death so that mankind could have hope. As you think about a true servant, think about someone that recognizes that everybody else is more important than me. Do what? He said, I'll be a servant... I'll give up all the grand things that I have going on so I can go so that you can be saved. He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to give my life so that you can have hope. As you look at Christ as this, this perfect example, in verse 10 it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth, those under the earth. Verse 11, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the, glory of God, to the glory of God the Father. As you look there, we see we see a purpose now for me. I want to do for Christ, not only because I want to be not selfish, not only because I want to be selfless, it goes even further because he's done for you. A lot of people want to take care of their moms and dads. Why? Because we understand mom and dad took care of us. If you go back to this selflessness, Jesus took care of us without us taking care of him. We need to understand 
this servant mentality is not a rite of passage. Now, as we talk about works, I believe on Wednesday night when we did the invitation, we mentioned works for just a second. Works are not a rite of passage. I encourage you to have this servant mindset, have a desire to do for the Lord. Whether No matter what you're doing or who you're doing it to, if it's done for the Lord, then we see great blessings in it. But don't think just because you've worked so hard that you deserve salvation. Jesus teaches a constant servant working relationship. As you look through the New Testament, work is pointed out over and over and over. And do not misunderstand me. No matter how hard you work, when it all comes to the end, you deserve to be lost eternally in hellfire. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 10, I believe it does the best job of explaining it because in Luke chapter 17 as an individual, you know, I look at at the story and my automatic thought from growing up in the time in which I did, I think, well, you ought to be well taken care of. You go to Luke chapter 17... Drop down into verse 7, it says, And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will come to him when he has come in from the field? Come at once, sit down and eat. And he says in verse 8, But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And after you words, you will eat and drink. Does he think that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him, I think not. He says, you don't go and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You've been this great servant. I appreciate so much all you've done. We say, wait. You would want to say thank you. Within our mindset, if somebody comes in and they work hard, you want to say thank you and let them know they appreciate you, but understand the relationship. There is a servant and there is a master. If you do what is required of you to do, what do you deserve when you're done? Notice verse 10. So likewise, when you have done all, everything that was asked, all things which are commanded say, listen, we are unprofitable servants. Now tie in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace... Are you saved through faith? Not of works, lest any man should boast. He says, we are unprofitable servants. What do you mean? He just went out in the field and he worked all day. Well, I'll tell you what. He's still the servant. The relationship is still there and he needs to recognize the value of his master. When we talk about our master, after we've worked our little tails off and we say, you know, I've been a good Christian for the last 70 years. Been, been a Christian for 100 years. I've been a Christian for 10 minutes and I've been a really good Christian. I don't care what the case is. When you come to that point, understand in verse 10, we are still an unprofitable servant and I need the grace of God to cover my sins. 
We have work still to do. No matter how hard we work, it's not quite so simple. It's not quite so easy that God ever owes you eternity. You haven't earned salvation. You don't deserve it. You're not worth it. But Jesus said, I'm going to give my life for you because I care that much. Therein, we see true servanthood. All right. What can I do for the church? Servant mentality. Serving is enjoyed through that of fellowship. As you look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, it says... Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Do what? He said, being together, if you care about each other, you have an opportunity to make each other better. All right, we quote Hebrews 10, verse 25 a lot, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. But what do you see in verse 24? Let us consider one another. There's first a selfless care. Quit worrying about you and start worrying about everybody else. That's serving through fellowship. We push one another to love and to good works. Romans chapter 12, beginning verse 10, it says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. You put them first. Go on into... Verse 11, he says, not, lacking in, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We see a mindset. To serve carries a certain zeal and excitement. You go to Romans chapter 12 and we see, see that zeal, that excitement that they enjoy. As we look, zeal comes in the opportunities that we have. We're, we're here together, we have a fellowship together. We serve together, and within it, we're going to be zealous to do good. Romans chapter 12, in verse 11 and 12, it says, Not lagging in, dil not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Drop down into verse 13, and we see that they serve through giving to others, distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. See, they're working together. Being a member of the church, we have opportunities to serve together, and that's going to encourage spiritual growth. Isn't it great to be able to be with like-minded people, to discuss like-minded things, to think about Christ, to think about heaven, to think about the glory that is to come, the work that we have to do, the things that are going on. It's amazing how much easier it is when you're amongst one another. Okay, you want to see how difficult it is? Go home and watch online for a while and realize what you're missing. I would say to a certain extent, we didn't know what we missed out on until we didn't have it. I pray we never go back. I pray we never lose the opportunity to be together again. And I pray we never give up the opportunity to be together. And yet at the same time, we have many people that choose to uh, continue in it. Choose not to be in fellowship. If you have the opportunity, I want to encourage you. Take advantage of every moment that you have to be with like-minded Christians. Take advantage of the opportunity that you have to be with people that want you in heaven and that you likewise want to help get to heaven. It'll help you and it'll help them. 
We ought to desire to be together as the one body. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says as the body is one and it has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. You think about that body, do you think that body ought to desire to be together? We're a part of the same body. He goes on to talk about trying to, trying to get rid of one or another. You know, I don't, my hand, I don't need that. My nose, what good would it be? You go ahead and start cutting different pieces off. What's the purpose of the church? We as a body work a whole lot better together. What can I do for the church? So we talk about the church. Each member is comforted or is encouraged by one another. Romans chapter 12 verse 15 said rejoice with those that do rejoice and weep with those who weep. And ultimately we see that we enjoy an opportunity within our Christian life to serve when we're together in fellowship. It motivates us for love, for good works. It motivates us to help others and it motivates us to serve needs. All right, final point, serving needs. James chapter 1, verse 2, 3, 4. There were trials. There are temptations and going through this. Their patience grows and we see at the end it says that the person can be perfect or complete, lacking nothing. They can be exactly what God wants them to be. As we come to our opportunity to serve, we don't want to be lacking in any way. Well, what's that mean? Take advantage of your opportunities. Needs that arise must be met so the congregation isn't lacking. It could be that you looked around and you said, you know what, Olive Branch is really lacking in, in regards to taking care of the widows and the widowers. And so you say, maybe we should set something up. Well, it could be that you've got something in your mind that's not in my mind, and you're thinking right now, you know, Olive Branch really lacks in dot, dot, dot. You fill in the blank. And then you figure out how you can best serve in making that happen. So we talk about our works. So we talk about the different ways which, in which we can serve. I want you to understand whenever you do it, do it to the best of your ability. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, he says, Whatever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord, not to men. You're not doing it for people. You're not doing it to please me. You're not doing it to please anybody else. But I'll tell you what, God's taking notes. Maybe I shouldn't say that. He's got that perfect mind where he doesn't have to take notes. But he recognizes your deeds and eventually you're going to be judged for them. Let us be thankful for the work that we find to do. Go back to Philippians chapter 2, back where we started out. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read just a little bit there and we're almost to close. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. He said, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do good, to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become, listen, blameless, harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation amongst whom you shine as lights in the world. What's he talking about? You as a servant. He said the world sees you. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Let your light so shine. He says people recognize you because they got caught up in serving. 
He said, you obeyed when I saw and you obey when I didn't. When I could see it with my own eyes, when I recognized it, when I was there, you were working hard. And when I left, you were still working hard. Let us take advantage of the work we find to do. And after we come to the end and we recognize that we've worked really hard, let us recognize a greater purpose. Close with verse 16. All this work that they did, they didn't didn't complain about it in verse 14. They did these works through with good pleasure. They did it when they was when it was seen, they did it when he was gone. Notice in verse 16, he says, holding fast within your works, keep working. But he says, holding fast the word of life. You keep God's word first and keep on working. Holding fast the word of life, so notice, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ because there's a better day coming. Because I can receive a reward, not that I earned, but rather that was given to me freely. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 Notice the end, he says, in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. He said, you keep working because the day of the Lord is coming when we will all stand before Christ. And as we've given our life to doing good and to serving, we recognize then that we've got hope in Jesus Christ. So the question is today, are you working for the Lord? Maybe the question should be, what can you do for the Lord? I promise the best way up is to get lost in service. And after you've worked as hard as you possibly can, and your fingers are cramping up, As you get old and you can barely move and you've got arthritis that sets in from the work that you've done, recognize then, I'm an unprofitable servant, but praise be to God for the day of the Lord when the grace of God is poured out upon us and He welcomes us home and says, Well done, good and faithful, lazy person, sluggard. He says... Well done, thou good and faithful, listen up, servant. Let's be working. Let's be working. If you haven't given your life to Christ, it's very simple. Understanding that Jesus died for you. Being willing to turn from sin and make a new lifestyle. I mean, a lifestyle where you say, I'm no longer about that, but I am a, listen, servant. No doubt you'll desire to tell the world, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I'm going to live for Him. And you need to too. No doubt you'll have the desire to be immersed in the water, obedient to what God has outlined as you go through and you see the remission of sins that comes through repentance and baptism. Look at Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. They were told, and now why tarryest thou? That's the question this morning. If you're not a Christian... Why do you wait? Don't think baptism is the end-all, be-all. It's more or less a beginning. Because you've got to get to work. It's time to be a servant. If you're not a servant for the Lord, make that change today as we stand and sing.